0: All
1: game. Alright. Welcome back to No Names All Game, your go-to place for a Penn State football fan podcast. I am joined today by not only my co-host Sweens, but by friend of the show, Izzy the Bulldog. Uh we're doing this so she will stay quiet. She might be visual on your screens if you are watching via YouTube. If we still do that, I don't even know. But hopefully. <laughs> She will not be a vocal participant in the show. Izzy, say hi to the people. Good girl. Out of of way.
0: She knows. (laughs) Sweens, how are you doing tonight? Uh, Doing well. Always love having an additional guest on, giving us a, a wonderful face of the franchise. As we go lion to, to bulldog, it's always fun to have that. And I don't, you know, for so many bulldog mascots that are out there, uh, you know, we don't have one in the Big Ten. So I feel like it's good, you know, to have to have a bulldog in place and not have to worry about that as an opposing team uh, in the Big Ten at the very least.
1: That is true. I never thought about that. No, she, she is now our official Big Ten bulldog.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. The face. Yes.
1: But. I'll tell you what I dislike a lot more than bulldogs, and that that, that that's Hawkeyes, <laughs> uh I I cannot stand a Hawkeye. Um, we've got Iowa coming in this weekend. Um, listen, they're a what a three and team, but against I no one that has really impressed me thus far this season. If I'm being honest mm-hmm. with you, um, they beat Utah State, who's also lost to Air Force. Uh, they beat Iowa state who's embroiled in controversy among sports betting, uh, and is one in two and I'm trying to remember who else they lost to, but lost to someone else fairly, like they lost seven to 10 to Ohio
0: university.
1: Yeah. Although I, I believe it was my junior year of college. We also lost to Ohio university. <laughs> <I will. laughs> I'll stay away from any, any criticism too harsh there. Um, but they they also beat western michigan who lost 48 to 7 to syracuse so not not a real uh, big list of contenders on iowa's hit list so far
0: yeah i i really like to look at early in the season true resume true stats coming out of each game what's going on rankings are tough because it's really going to be a combination of who hasn't lost or who's lost to another ranked team is basically going to be your top 25 in the AP poll up until you get into week. Really, this upcoming weekend is where we finally get more than one ranked versus ranked opponents. So I really like to look at who are their matchups, what are their stats coming out of those games, and do more of our uh, our deep dive there versus, well, they're a top 25 team and therefore should be taken X, Y, and Z way. I think, I think we do have to look at those details and those wins are honestly nothing that, that we can truly gain when they're planning for a game against a team like Penn state.
1: Yeah, exactly. And listen, I I like the fact that Iowa comes in ranked 24th. I was actually very high on Iowa coming into this season, uh, thinking foolishly that their offense would be better than usual. Uh, <laughs> but so far, not really the case just, other than a, a, yeah, you know, listen, a big day last week against Western Michigan. Um but I I think there's there is enough here that the ranked matchup isn't the big the big thing that every fan is thinking about. We're thinking about 2021. We're thinking about Sean Clifford going down with an injury and, you know, the that comeback by Iowa because we have no offense. We're thinking about their fans booing our injured players including, a, you know, P.J. Mustafer, who missed the rest of the season, accusing them of faking injuries to slow down that dynamic offense that they had. <laughs> you know, Sweden, how how are you feeling coming into this into this game?
0: Yeah, like a lot of Penn State fans, Iowa has has solidly placed themselves among if if we don't call them a rival among some of our most heated opponents that we play on a near annual basis. At this point, we had a run between I think it was 16 and, and 2019 or 2020. We played them almost every year, had a break, came back. That 2021 game is always going to stick out to fans. And it's it's also a stick in the crawl, because if if Clifford doesn't go down and they come away with a win there, even if it's close, it kind of changes the whole outlook of that season in a lot of people's minds. Um, so it, it just it, it's another piece of the history that Iowa plays either spoiler or they play kind of this weird villainous type of role for us where usually we're either favored or it's an even matchup versus a, a school like ohio state or michigan where they might be a top a top two top three ranked team and just things go weird Things are weird at Kinnick at night. Things have been weird in the past with Iowa. And it's it's always an interestingly heated matchup. But I believe this is the first whiteout that we've staged for Iowa in quite some time, just because of the fact that we've had two other teams that we have a home and away every other year that have come in. And so I'm curious to see if Iowa takes that as, you know, hey, wow, they dedicated a whiteout to us. And so they come in with that mentality. Or if this is hey, we're not going to get any old Penn State team. We're going to get them at their full tilt in a year where they're making a push.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I this is a matchup that I look forward to every time it's on the schedule. Um, you know, Iowa dealt Penn State some tough losses in the 2000s and seasons where Penn State looked very good. Um, Penn State obviously beat them in dramatic fashion in 2017 at Kinnick. Um, but th- this is, I think, two fan bases that until like, The invention of Twitter probably didn't have a ton of interactions with each other. Um, And until last year, I don't think there was a lot of hatred between these fan bases. But I'm here to tell you, I've hated Iowa for a long time. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I am a rabid Penn State wrestling fan. And I can tell you from experience that there is no just lower scum on this planet than the Iowa wrestling fan. You just... (laughs) Like the, the bubble gum that you scrape off of a New York City <laughs> sidewalk resides uh, so far above the average Iowa wrestling fan in my <laughs> mind. <laughs> so I love the hatred that has now come <laughs> to this fan base.
0: That that sounds like someone who has been uh, through and through the message boards going all the way back to the to the early days of internet trolls and, and- – fan bases coming at each other's throats. What kind of websites were you lurking on back in the day?
1: Oh, I mean I was never on the Iowa wrestling uh message <laughs> boards, but I I've heard stories and I've heard tales of some of I I'm trying to I think it's the Hawkeye Report is the big one. Ugh, I mean just the scum of the earth these people. <laughs> <laughs> but but I digress. We should get into some football. I I I I guess um I think Every time you see Iowa on the schedule, they they feel like the same team every year. Like the names change, but you're going to get hard-nosed defense. You're going to get a quarterback who doesn't do a whole lot, a tight end who's good despite the fact that his quarterback can't do a whole lot, and a running back who is probably like two to three stars, but is going to average five yards a carry somehow. You know, Is is this – I know you've been taking a look at Iowa's offense and – kind of what they do. Is this like your grandfather's Iowa team this year?
0: Oh, it, it, it is in, in a couple of different ways. I think the biggest thing that I would say is a change up to what you mentioned is um, they have a couple of running backs who've broken off some pretty big plays. Um, They'll, they'll actually lose and be down Patterson and Caleb Johnson who were two of their rotational backs that they were playing a decent amount. Johnson actually leads the team in carries, but they will have LaShawn Williams, who's got a 53 long carry and is definitely capable of breaking off a big play if Penn State opens up a uh, Delaware-sized hole somewhere in the defense. So they definitely have the potential to, to do that on the running side. But when it comes to the passing game, that's where it really does feel like same old, same old Iowa. Again, their top two leading receivers are their tight ends, Lashy and All. Lashie's actually going to be out for this game, which is a huge blow as he leads the team with receptions and yards by a decent margin. And then their leading wide receiver only has four catches for 68 yards on the entire year. That is their leading wide receiver in the room. And that is just uninspiring when it comes to a team that is placed at 24 in the poll and that you feel like at the very least should have. Some guy that that's in their slot that's you know catching five six seven passes a game that might be damaging you even if it's not in the long game and that's just it doesn't even seem to be that this year and I just I find it hard to see what McNamara is going to do in an explosive way especially in an away game and especially against a defense that is going to be honing in.
1: Yeah, I mean, I the, what I hear about Luke Lashley is that he is a legit. Tight end one, like might be the first tight end take. Oh, I know it wasn't Brock Bowers, uh, no. not, not maybe, the first time <laughs> taken, but like he's got day two potential as a tight end and Iowa is kind of like sneakily tight end university uh, <laughs> of the past like decade or so. But I mean, you know, Eric all is a, a good college tight end. He's had production in the past. He had a good 2021 at Michigan. I Did he get hurt last season? I think a season got cut short.
0: Um, Yeah, I think marred by some injuries. I don't know if it was a season-ending one or if it was kind of in and out, but but again, you're right. Iowa always can bring in a couple of good tight ends. They both develop and bring in good talent on both sides, and Ultimately, they'll probably be bringing in their third tight end, Addison Ostrenga, who's probably going to be very active in the game as they usually run two tight end sets, both for running purposes as well as for leak out passes. So I'm sure we'll see a lot either way.
1: Yeah, I just I don't I'm like you. I don't see the big play threat or even like the the consistent chain mover on this offense from a pass catcher standpoint outside of maybe Eric all and you know, if the backup tight end is, is better than we expect.
0: Right. I mean, they'll get their running backs involved in the passing game too. I think Williams on the year has five catches for 41 yards and, and they'll rotate some of those guys in too. but again, nothing that is standing out as a true downfield threat or a threat that you even feel like, Hey, you need to put your best guy on this player, especially with Lash not, playing in this game which could turn out to honestly be very damaging for their offense
1: yeah and honestly what surprises me is that this from like an offensive line standpoint this doesn't seem like your typical Iowa team and they've been playing some pretty inferior opponents and Cade McNamara has been sacked six times and thrown three interceptions that does not sound like Iowa football to me
0: Right, 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 right. You're thinking field position. You're thinking time of possession. You're thinking grind it down. Don't don't put anyone in a position to to put the defense in a bad position. That's normally the mentality that you see with this. And it doesn't quite feel like they've accomplished that in their first couple of games against teams. You'd expect them to honestly be putting up top five defensive numbers, if not better, as well as almost a little bit unsuspecting offensive numbers that you think, well, can they do that against a really good defense? Or is it just because of the competition they haven't thrown for more than 200 yards in a single game against all of these opponents we just talked about. And I don't know too many offenses in the country anymore that can't at least post a 200 yard game, let alone three, four or 500 yard games that we're seeing on a regular basis. I mean, it's 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 Iowa in its truest form, but it's also a very underwhelming feeling from even the run game side, which you feel like that should be a dominating aspect. And it's it's been good, but not great. And if it's good, not great against the competition they've played. That's where you start to wonder what what is it really going to look like?
1: Yeah, I I remember when the news of Cade McNamara going to Iowa broke. Uh, I I said, Hey, this is a dangerous team that finally has a legit quarterback. Not, not that he was a world beater by any means, but yeah, he was a legitimate college football quarterback who's beaten Penn state in Beaver stadium before Um, he has not certainly lived up to that hype. I know there is some injury kind of concerns and, you know, rumors swirling around Kate McNamara. Um, But the, on the other hand, this is a team that looked fairly unimpressive, but, in the first two weeks of the season and then breaks off a 41 point performance, albeit against Western Michigan. But are you heading into this going, maybe Iowa has figured out who they are and this is the Iowa that we can expect going forward.
0: I'm thinking that it's, it's definitely that they found a rhythm in a game where they could get an early lead. They could establish exactly what they wanted to do. And then they could allow their defense to make sure that they were going to have great field position and and put in ideal situations. And that was a home game, right? So all things being equal, they definitely put it together the most in their last game, which is something you always want as a team when you're heading into one of your, if not, I mean, it's the biggest matchup they have this year, definitely thus far, and possibly the entire year. And I think from their perspective, that's going to be a big motivator that we're playing our best football at this point versus in the first game of the season. And I do think that's going to be more of what Iowa is versus maybe what they were against Iowa State, which was a very unimpressive victory that that they pulled out because they just kind of coasted along and played great defense. But still, I I just don't know if it's going to be the long season Iowa because they just haven't played anyone that gives us that true sense of what do they do when they're down? I don't think they've had a losing minute this entire season, which means they've never been forced off their mark. They've never been put into a position where they have to open up their offense or they have to do something that breaks the game plan. And that's a lot of times defines if a good team can be great, if a great team can be elite, or if a good team can be really bad. And that's that's something that I think we're going to finally see. And, and that's where it could go either way. And and that's honestly something we we don't yet know, but I think we're going to find out. Yeah,
1: and and you mentioned this being the biggest game on their schedule most likely. Uh and listen, let's not mince words. This is not the biggest game on Penn State's schedule, but it is against a hated opponent. It is the Big 10 home opener and it is the Whiteout. And the Whiteout is the big one. Uh and we're That's in right. kind of yeah, kind of the unusual position of being a two touchdown favorite in a Whiteout though. Not normal for Penn State. Um you know, how how do you think the whiteout affects this game?
0: Yeah, it's it's weird. The whiteout's normally seen as an equalizer, right? That's that's always how it gets portrayed. It's that we always do it against our biggest opponent at home that we get that year, and it's meant to equalize it out. If we would be, let's say, minus or plus four and a half on a neutral site, the whiteout gets us to minus one and a half or even equal. And in this case, it's Adding on to an already favorited score for us, which is a little outside of our usual mentality, especially over the last what decade, where almost every time we've brought someone in for the whiteout, it's it's against an opponent that's at least equal, if not favored, to us. I, I think it's still going to be an amazing crowd. I think everyone is amped up about it this year. We saw what the home openers looked like when we played West Virginia at night and that crowd was amazing and really, really rambunctious. I think it's going to be honestly three times, four times that because A, it's a whiteout and B it's Iowa, which just has all the vitriol that you want for a night crowd. So I think it's going to come as, as strong as ever for a whiteout. I just think that the mentality behind it's going to be slightly different because it's an opponent that we are, favored to and expected to beat and beat by a good margin like you said
1: yeah yeah exactly um I I think it's enough energy that like I don't think there's any any worry of like overlooking this opponent um mm-hmm. or you know like a letdown game I, I this is still the biggest game on the schedule up to this point in my opinion um Easy. but enough fluff. Enough talking around the topic. <laughs> Let, let's get into what we think this game is actually going to be like. Uh, first thing we always cover is what we are going to watch for in this game. Sweens, what will
0: you be watching for? I am really, really expecting a breakout for our wide receiving core. In our last review from Illinois, we really talked about how they kind of disappeared. They got locked down on some one on ones, they had some drops, some bad penalties. I see Keandre Lambert Smith and the rest of the wide receivers taking a look at that and feeling like this is their chance to really, really make a mark on a nighttime, nationally televised game where they can come through. They are probably looking at this and understanding that from Iowa's perspective, they will try to lock down the box. They'll try to work on that formula that we saw Illinois deploy a little bit with putting on pressure. And they're going to trust their outside guys to be able to cover our guys one-on-one. And they're going to say, until you beat us in a way that is significant, We're going to just play straight up and we're going to drop our safeties in. We're going to push our linebackers. We're really going to play the run first and see if we can keep it close by putting them in second and third and long situations. Um, but I, I see the wide receiver stepping up. I don't know why exactly it is. I know that Keandre Lambert-Smith is big in primetime. He's had some really great games when Penn State's played under the lights or in Rose Bowl games. Obviously, we saw that last year. So I'm just expecting them to step up a little bit and and just have some flash plays that's going to feel really good. And then, of course, that opens the floodgates everywhere else. And I'm, I'm really liking that for, for this game. I'm on mute, but I'm back. Um, but
1: <laughs> as I was saying to myself, absolutely. I love that. Uh, Keandre is I think hundred percent, a gamer, a primetime player. Uh, I believe Harrison Wallace is expected to be back, but he might be kind of questionable. I think him <laughs> being back as a reliable second option is going to be big. And then, you know, if those wide receivers do start winning those battles, um, I was going to have to, commit resources to that and that is going to open up the middle of the field to the tight ends they won't have to stay in and block they'll be able mm-hmm. to run some routes and that that could make a big big difference for this penn state offense
0: yeah it it changes everything i mean we've seen when we have a number one receiver and a guy that can beat anybody who's matched up against him dotson going all the way back to godwin and other players that just makes the defense have to adjust to play those spots if they don't they're going to get beat there and if they do adjust then our offense gets to see some different looks and i'm just i'm excited to see that happen and i really think that they're going to look at that last game and feel like this is this is a statement game for them to show that our receiving core is legit and is something that people need to be looking out and feared 100
1: uh now what i'm watching for this game is the turnovers um this is an iowa defense that although they're not jumping off the page for turnovers at this point, this season, I think you look at them traditionally and they are a program that could just kind of like disciplines you into turning the ball over. You know, they play zone defense, their defensive backs don't get out of position. Their Mm -hmm. line's going to bring some pressure, force bad throws. And at some point they're going to make you turn it over. Um, Now, Drew Aller is notoriously safe with the ball, which we love. And I think in this game that heavily favors Penn state. And then on top of that, you know, if Penn State goes up early um, and forces Iowa to run an offense that isn't run first, where they have to take shots downfield, Cade McNamara has already thrown three interceptions this year against teams that are not even in the same stratosphere as Penn State's defense. You you just saw what they did to Luke Altmaier, who had turned it over three times going into that game. If Cade if McNamara is going to let it loose, I I would expect turnovers, I would expect sacks, interceptions and a lot of havoc
0: being created by this defense. Turnover battle is going to be so interesting and and a lot of times Iowa's defense has been known as you said almost through frustration of their Commitment to not breaking their own rules. They force turnovers because you want things to open up. You want things to happen. So you start forcing passes. Or you start forcing plays and they just don't break. Right. So they they start getting these opportunities. Um, but but you're right. I think that Penn State's defense has shown it can find the ball. And McNamara had a horrible interception against Iowa State, where he just launched up a 50-50 ball that wasn't even really the best spot for his receiver, and and Iowa State came down with it. It's exactly the type of balls we've seen our cornerbacks be able to take massive advantage of. They've got great jump ball capacity, and they are always looking for that. And I don't see any wide receivers that are going to put us in a turn and run so fast that you're making up space type of speed. Um, And on on the other side of the ball, I don't want to jinx it, Pat. There are two teams in the country that have not turned the ball over yet in FBS. Those two teams, Oregon and Penn State. That's it. Everybody else has had at least one fumble, one interception, some extent. You never like to throw those out there as you feel like it could be a jinx, but it's also a testament to, like you said, the way that running backs have been protecting the ball and the way that Drew Aller's been making very low risk type decisions, even if some of them have been not the best read or that he's just let it go it's it's been low-risk decisions that haven't forced any really bad plays and i think that's going to continue i agree i think i was going to try to put him in that position they're going to try to use some of that illinois mindset of pressure and bad spots but i i agree i think that their game plan is going to continue to shine through and Aller's got great decision making thus far yeah,
1: and I, I think at the end of the day, Iowa knows that their path to victory is through turnovers. You know, they don't have the explosive offense to put up thirty-five points against this Penn State defense. They're going to have to get short fields. Um, and if 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 Drew and Katron and Nick can stop that from happening, that looks like a that looks like a victory for Penn State. But that is not our key to victory. Oh, okay, okay. that's not our key All to right. victory. All right, <laughs> Penn State's key to victory this weekend is going to be being explosive early. I kind of touched on it in the last point, but you know, if I was falls behind by like two scores, that that is not a place that they are built to come back from. You mm-hmm. know? Uh if they have to open up their offense and start throwing downfield and and put the game on Cade McNamara's shoulders and commit resources to stopping explosive plays that opens up runs inside, that chews up clock, that works against the offense that they want to run. If Penn State hits a few big plays early, it changes the way Iowa wants to play defense, most likely. It changes the way Iowa wants to run their offense, most likely. And it puts this entire game on Penn State's script, on their schedule. And if that's the case, I don't see a way Iowa comes away with a victory.
0: Yeah, Pat, I'm going to I'm going to pair my key to victory up with yours because mine is winning the field position battle with this Iowa team. And it it goes exactly back to what you just mentioned, which is if we can be explosive early, if we can find some success early on that defense and we force their offense into positions that they don't want to be playing from, it's it's a very tough uphill climb for them for Gaining explosive run plays is often not something you can script. It's usually an out of position, bad blitz by a defense, or it's a missed tackle or two. Now, not saying that can't happen, but it's very difficult to script in an explosive run. So Iowa would then have to try to play call in explosive passing plays, which they have proven zero ability to do against three inferior defenses. And the field position battle is going to be massive, along with the idea of Penn State being able to gain those chunks or even full scale long touchdowns on this team. And I think those two things even if both of them kind of are partially true i think are going to be massive keys and and really something that's going to allow penn state to control the game right from the start
1: yeah absolutely i think when we lost in 2021 i was i kept saying like the Iowa's best weapon is their punter it was you know especially when when yeah. take roberson was in there it, it, mm-hmm. it was getting nailed like inside the five continuously right. and we, we couldn't get out of our own way and yep I mean, if, if this game is mostly played in Iowa territory, they, they, they have, in
0: my opinion, no chance. Exactly. If they, if they're allowed to play on any level of script that they want to, that's where the game into the third and into the fourth just feels like it's slogging along a little bit. And then maybe, maybe they break one of those run plays kind of just by chance because they run into the right defense at some point. But if you put it so far out of reach that that doesn't matter, that's where you're really creating that stamp expectation of not allowing this game to go longer than it should.
1: Yeah. I mean, they they can do that one time, but it's not going to happen three times. Um, Exactly. But you know, with, with with every game, with every football game that's ever been played, there's going to come some surprises, most likely. But what should the fans not be surprised about if it happens on Saturday, Swedes?
0: I don't think Yurchis is going to come out and establish the run. I think he's going to come out and allow Drew to start, just opening the floodgates and firing on this Iowa defense. I think they're going to run spread. I think they're going to be running trips. I think they're going to want to to have guys flying all over the field trying to put this Iowa defense a little bit on its heels and just start taking shots. I think they're in a position at this point in the season, Pat, where they should trust this defense to a pretty strong degree where they can start taking more risks. I think they can start looking downfield. I think they can start really running some unique plays where they're moving the tight ends out and they're allowing guys to to try to run free and hit some of those two-move type of routes, out and ups and post corners, and allow Drew to just scan the field. And I I think it's going to look great because that is going to show he has control of the game against a good opponent, and they're establishing that they can do this to a defense that maybe others thought they couldn't do. And I feel like it's going to be the challenge that's issued early on in their home environment. And it's going to really get the energy going.
1: Yeah. I love that. I would love to see that. And that kind of ties in with, with my answer as well, which is don't be surprised if Iowa stacks the box early. It's something Mm -hmm. I think we've talked about in this episode and in almost every episode since the, the, the opener against West Virginia is teams are looking to make, Penn State beat them with Drew Aller. Mm-hmm. Um, Illinois obviously did it, and it—you know—it like you can't say it worked for them, but it, turned, <laughs> it prevented Penn State from being as explosive and consistent as as they wanted. Um, and I, I think this is the blueprint that teams are going just going to be using until until it really backfires. Uh, and if Penn State is able to be explosive early, that that's going to it ruins their entire game plan. But at the end of the day, I think teams come in here knowing that if Penn State is gashing them with the run game, you know, if Katon and Nick are averaging 6, 8 yards a carry and then occasionally breaking 10 plus yard runs and then, you know, once or twice break a really big one for a touchdown, they have no chance to begin with. So they're going to mm-hmm. commit all the resources they can to make sure that's not a reality and put the pressure on Drew to stop them. And don't be surprised if you see that I would defense with just like seven, eight guys in the box throughout the entire first quarter, even first half.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with you. It's it's as simple as saying what worked, what threw them off, what threw Penn State off their rhythm, what allowed them to be the Elaine Bennis of offensive rhythm in That's their right. last game, right? And that that goes Again, back to talking about these wide receivers needing to step up because they're probably going to have to keep Warren or Johnson, maybe both in the box early on. If I was going to commit to that eight, nine group inside and our wide receivers are going to have to find some of that success. Now, I do think that utilizing some formations where we spread that defense out and force them to put a linebacker out in the flat or we force them to bring in a nickel or a dime is going to allow a little bit of offensive creativity, but I still think guys are going to have to win matchups. Guys are going to have to maybe pull in a one-handed catch here to kind of get everyone going or, or beat a guy to the point where he's running with two, three yards of space and Aller can just hit him in stride type of play. And I just think that's going to be such a confidence booster. And until that happens, I don't think Iowa is going to move away from that initial game plan because if they don't feel like they can get beat, then why not stack it and make sure that they don't lose in the most straightforward way possible, which is to allow our two-stud running backs to each go over 100 yards and multiple touchdowns. Exactly.
1: But, you know, at the end of the day, we can make all the matchup predictions and game plan predictions we want. All that matters is the final score up on that scoreboard at the end of the fourth quarter. Um, I'm seeing Penn State is now a 15-point favorite with an over under set at 40. So not uh not a lot of scoring in this one. Swans, what is your prediction?
0: I'm wiping the slate clean from that Illinois prediction last week. I think I think we looked at it, we talked about it, we said it was a little bit nutty. It just felt a little bit off. And I, I got to go with what I'm seeing from the tape, from stats. And then I got to count in the whiteout because it does matter. It does make a difference. It does change what this view is in the same way. If they were playing at night in Kinnick, that would change the mindset and the, and the script here. And I just feel that this Iowa offense cannot put up enough points to keep up with this Penn state team. And I think at some point, One of these wide receivers is going to make a play that's going to open things up. And I think Penn State is going to cover this with flying colors. I'm taking them 38 to 10, which does hit the over. And I was surprised by what that over was. But I get that they're saying it's going to be a low scoring game. I just I see Penn State wanting to just make a mark here. Ranked team, whiteout game. Everything's lining up for them, And I think this team's ready to take that step.
1: I like that. I like that. Um I agree that it's going to be a low scoring game. I think it's going to be low scoring because Iowa will literally not score a touchdown. Uh I but I I think Penn State's offense is good enough to put some points up on what is likely a very good Iowa defense. I think having being on the field repeatedly for that Iowa defense is going to wear them down and allow some points to score. People want to know, am I going to go with the Hank and Hard line? Am I going to go with the Klickio classic? The answer is neither. I'm going with the patty push <laughs> 31 to nine to push the over under at 40 points, but Penn State oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> is that allowed? Is that, is that, is that, that's uh kosher around here? Oh yeah. The patty push. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I think, I think a lot of people would be happy with, uh, with either outcome, especially in a whiteout game. It's, it's going to be exciting. I think all eyes are going to be on, this whole weekend of games, but specifically uh, this is going to be a fun one. And I think there's already a lot of vitriol being thrown out there. If you're, if you're paying attention to what's happening on every platform at this point. So it's, it's already leading up to a a really fun matchup.
1: Yeah. I mean, listen, I, I hate these people. I think they hate (laughs) us quite a bit, Um, but it's all about what happens on the field. And are are we going to be able to walk out of there heads held high Making fun of these Iowa dorks on Twitter for their non-existent Brian Ferentz offense that will he will get fired for at the end of the season for not being able to average twenty one points a game or whatever the mark is. Uh, but end of the day, let's go one and zero this week. That's right, Iowa, Iowa, Iowa. We are, we are.